back to another episode of Travel Minded, the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Nick Butter. Nick is the first and only person to run a full marathon distance in every country in the world and did this in just 23 months. On the episode, we discuss his adventures as well as his charity that he has founded called the 196 Foundation. It's really nice to have you on. A world record holder for people that don't know. It's, uh, it's a good, a good excuse to talk about adventures and uh, and reminisce a little bit about some of the bits I've done and and the stuff that's that's in the pipeline for the future. So yeah, exactly. thank you. It's... Yeah, have you been able to go away since kind of the pandemic eased? Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I did the Italian trip during. Uh, the pandemic between the first and second lockdown when everyone thought that it had gone away yeah. um, uh, pre pre wave two um, in Italy when everything was open and, and fine again um, so that was a really you know I didn't really feel like I'd experienced the first year of Covid really because we've been in the van did Italy and then um, spent a lot of time like three or four months in the in the in the mountains in the snow so yeah, and then I came so back from was locked down and yeah so um, <laughs> yeah. I, have been, I have been away um we've got a few few little bits coming up so uh I don't you know I can't complain really I just wish oh, nice. wish yeah. I hadn't stumbled into Covid recently because it's just been unpleasant I know yeah so what have you got coming up anything nice well yeah so we have a uh, a little mission running north to south of Malawi quite soon I'm also running the street child marathon in Sierra Leone which uh, is where I had the idea to create my charity when I was running the world yeah. um, so going back to Sierra Leone and going back to the little town of McKenney uh, is going to be lovely so that's quite soon um, next weekend I'm popping over to uh, to Nazare big 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 wave surfing spot I love how you just say pop over <laughs> Well, it is very much a popover. It's only a couple of days just to hop on a plane. That's the that's the benefit of having flown, you know, hundreds of times all over the place. Yeah. Uh, is planes do definitely feel a little bit like buses for me? So, yeah. Um, it's yeah, just and that's the other thing. I think a lot of a lot of folk don't really realise how easy it is to go places, even now post pandemic. Really, quite recently um you know there's no restrictions and as long as you're being sensible and you know before I go anywhere make sure I've done my lateral flows even if they're not yeah. required um and uh and yeah it's just down the road really it's easier to get to Portugal for a couple of days than it is to go to Scotland so very um, true I, yeah yeah <laughs> that's brilliant have you always been traveling like ever since you were little were you kind of surrounded by that type of ethos in life Yes, I think so. I've been very privileged in that regard. Um, lots of brilliant holidays, lots of friends and family that we'd be going away, either skiing or sailing or um, the, the generic holidays as well. And also actually really enjoying British holidays as well. Yeah. Um, discovering different bits of, the, of our own country. Um, uh, my parents went around the world on their honeymoon. Um, and so I have a little bit of that in me I think I have a little bit of wanting to see all of the world um and so obviously I've done a lot of it but there's still so much that I'm still to explore although I've been to every country and seen every country generally at least once um sometimes 
obviously multiple times but there's there's big pockets of the world that i need to see more of so if you look at a world map there's the um you got the china area which is massive i mean also including russia uh and then north america uh, and south america for that matter the continents you know being able to go to the us for example you can go to new york for a weekend but then there's so much more of it and 50 50 states is very similar to the 54 countries in africa in the sense that each state is governed differently different laws different cultures different people different clothing sometimes different way people speak all this sort of stuff so even within countries there's a huge diversity of culture and i'm i'm eager to make sure that i at least make an attempt at seeing all of those so there's yeah. there's that stuff that's that's coming up in the future definitely so for people that are listening that don't necessarily know much about you um you're the mm. first and only person to have run a marathon in every country in the world so what inspires you to do this that is quite a mission <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well i mean there's the obvious answer which is you know who wouldn't want to go to every country in the world yeah but there's also the running aspect and then the fact that I was doing it to raise some money for uh, charity. So the story goes, I had a, a real job, I suppose, and I then had uh, lots of opportunities to go and run and, and get better with running. I then had brands and sponsors say, well, will, will you come out and run for us or will you come and do this race in these places? And I was just a normal, you know, average average joe didn't really experience any of this brand um attention before and so it was brilliant but at the same time i had to say no because i was working yeah. um but eventually i i plucked up enough courage to leave my job and um i went into running and then shortly afterwards i was running in uh in the sahara desert running the marathon de saab and i met a chap called kevin and kevin very sadly had terminal uh, prostate cancer and I had a conversation with him out there and he was told he might only live for two years he had a nine-year-old boy and he said you know I might not be able to get to see him reach his 11th birthday and he had a very profound effect on me as we were chatting and running through the Sahara together because he gave me the very distinct message of, of you know you've got to absolutely grab every day yeah. um tightly as you can and I kind of thought that I was already doing that because I'd given up a job to run but he said yeah well what would you do if you could do anything and and I and I didn't really know the answer to that and I, I felt a little bit ashamed that I didn't know the answer to that because I obviously have the freedoms and privileges to be able to do that and I wasn't facing imminent death like he was I was I was I had the options and so I thought well what can I do and I googled it and nobody had done it and I I couldn't really understand why nobody had done it and I was a little bit baffled and I now know why of course it's very difficult <laughs> for it time. Um, but I I decided that that would be what it will be and I, I sat my fam family and friends down and I said to my parents I'm going to run a marathon in every country in the world um, and I was already doing silly things so they weren't that shocked but they they did say well how many countries are there and um, I had no idea so that pretty much sums up the uh, the journey into into running a marathon in every country yeah definitely and what would you say has been the hardest marathon for you and why um hardest marathon 
I mean, there's marathons outside of running the world, which were very hard, you know, from on broken bones and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, the the heat in some of the countries in around the world in Kuwait, for example, which was 59 degrees C. Oh, um, wow. That bearable, similar similar kind of temperatures in in Djibouti, um, and obviously the deserts and all that kind of places. So the heat is an issue, but then you've also got the war zones the political volatility of some countries whereby you have to be very savvy with where you go how you conduct yourself what you wear how you speak all that sort of stuff to make sure that you are not accidentally or innocently putting yourself in a situation that has nothing to do with running but is going to jeopardize the mission so yeah. there was a few stressful marathons in that regard but um i i think the most difficult to answer it more directly is I had a, a horrible experience when I was in Bangladesh because I had awful food poisoning. I also had a kidney infection uh, and I was, I was peeing blood because my kidneys oh, were shot to bits. And uh, I, I decided that I, you know, I had to keep going during this run and I was sick all the time. I was vomiting every mile or so. Um, and it was, a, it was a battle. So the answer is there's multiple reasons why they were difficult. Um, but sometimes the harder the marathons are sometimes the harder it is to complete them the yeah. better you fit again so it kind of levels out really yeah definitely I guess this is quite an interesting question actually uh, if I do say so myself um but yeah. would you say that it's harder to run in a colder country or a hotter country well technically in warmer countries you have your lungs your muscles your blood vessels your bronchioli and your lungs all of that sort of stuff opens up and so it's easier technically to to run however once it gets past a certain temperature then you are restricted because you are sweating out all of your essential salts um you're more likely to cramp you're more likely to have problems with your heart um obviously you have then the risks of heat stroke and all that sort of stuff so I prefer to personally to run in the heat because I feel like I can take some, I've got quite a kind of radiator. I have a lot of heat in me anyway, so I'm used to it. Mm -hmm. But cold temperatures, I think, are easier to prepare for because you know that you need to wear multiple pairs of gloves, multiple uh, hats and leggings and thermals and um, sometimes you know, hand warmers or, or toe or feet warmers, that kind of thing. So you can prepare and wrap yourself up. Um, the yeah. difficulty with in the cold, though, is that when you slow down and it's very cold, you are still your body temperature is still quite high because you're trying to keep yourself warm but you're also running so you sweat and that sweat then turns to either ice or cold when you're when you slow down so that's the unenjoyable bit is it becomes quite painfully cold if you then start to slow down for example if you get an injury or if you're waiting for traffic if you have to cross a road that kind of thing um, yeah. so it's difficult both of them I prefer the heat Sim simply prefer the heat no that's fair enough I'm definitely well in general I'm a much hotter country lover um, rather yeah. than cold so um, I guess that also has its benefits as well and I I guess kind of outside of running as well where has been your favorite place to go to which I feel is the hardest question to ask someone who <laughs> has been to every country because <laughs> I have a new pick so you can have a few <laughs> I have a few okay um can I pick all of the continents how about that <laughs> uh, 
there's a favorite place i mean the island uh there's an island called kiribati which is in the pacific ocean um if you google it it's just this tiny little dot in the middle of the of the pacific and it is stunning it's untouched there's virtually no electricity and power so it's generators and people fishing for their food sharing their meals with neighbors and um sharing food with one another you know whether it be pigs or chickens or eggs that the chickens lay or sharing the fish that you catch from that day um and it's a good community-led island that is absolutely stunning pristine beaches you know bath water warm water um turquoise you've got lovely waves but then obviously you the sad thing is it's also at risk to to climate change and yeah. will likely be under 30 or 40 years so um i think i think that kiribati is definitely a standout place but then you've got the likes of nepal in the mountains up very high um the himalayas the there's so many beautiful places uh and also south america i think south america is one of the most unique places in the whole world because it's only has 11 countries in, in south america and the likes of peru or bolivia um, you've got a lot of diversity of landscape but generally speaking the the culture there is just so warm and friendly um i yeah i would always recommend uh south america to new travelers because you just have your eyes wide open the whole time yeah uh honestly south america has been on my list for so long i want i was mm. supposed to be going to peru just before the pandemic started yeah. I had it like in and I was like perfect now's the time I'm finally gonna crack that continent and then alas it was taken away but it's definitely on my list I cannot wait where would you say sorry I was gonna say where's where's your where's your favorite place then if you've not been to South America yet where's your go-to well funnily enough I'd say close to Guatemala was probably one of my favorite places that I've been Central to America. um yeah, yeah Guatemala or or actually I'd say Nepal as well um yeah those have both been yeah. amazing places but I I see what you mean about what I could I can envision what it would be like in South America with the culture because it was very much like that in Guatemala as well um and yeah. I think it's it's so nice when you can go into somewhere where you feel a part of the community yeah absolutely the colors the people the smells the just just everything you know being in even la paz for example in bolivia the the highest the highest city Caracas capital city and you've got people there that are living in a effectively in a different world because they just operate operate so differently and it's essentially how we live but just on a different level you know markets and sharing things and the technology is different. The phones uh, operate different. You know all of that sort of stuff. So it's just, uh, it's it's mesmerising. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that exploring different cultures of countries is the best part of travelling for you, or do you have kind of any mm. other things that really inspire, yeah. like, that make you want to really enjoy travelling? I think yeah, it's definitely the immersion into new cultures, but it's also you know what what makes up culture is people and I think the people that I meet around the world are what makes my fondest memories um, and sometimes you know you can go to South America and meet a family a couple a group of people from the other side of the world and actually it's nothing to do with the fact that 
they are not from that country and the country is nothing to do with why you've experienced it but the people that are there having the good time um you know i've been in airports just tiny little airports that have no real uh nothing to note uh but then i'm chatting with somebody that's from the other other side of the world and we're doing a similar thing so i think it's shared experiences shared stories shared adventure and those misadventures you get when you get led down a path that you're not expecting or you say yes to an opportunity um from speaking with other people that you then uh you then enjoy yeah definitely have you ever done any kind of travel experiences like zip lining or I'm sure you probably have from all the many places you've been to. Um, have you yeah, ever yeah. done anything like that or skydiving? Yeah, I've done all, all sorts of things like that. I think the one that I enjoyed the most was uh, bungee jumping over the Zambezi River um, next to Victoria Falls um, between Zambia and Zimbabwe um, over that rickety old bridge and... <laughs> It was a it was a it was a blind jump into nothing and obviously being Africa you just have towels wrapped around your feet with a little bit oh of cord and it's it's very it's very different yeah and health and safety is not a big thing so it's quite that was quite interesting but you know all the other I quite like water sports so all of the other activities like you know whether it be surfing or paddle boarding or I like to paraglide and ski obviously so you know the whole range of stuff but I think they're they're the they're the kind of bonus elements of traveling. I think you can have an amazing time without really doing any of those. It's just you know you can go in and stand and watch people bungee jumping, and you'll actually yeah. probably have the same kind of experience and memories. Definitely, yeah. No, I think that's that's a very good point. I think it is all about kind of going back to what we were saying before. It's all about immersing yourself in the different cultures and exploring the countries. That's the best part about traveling, I think, from my opinion. Yeah, yeah but, um, I agree. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure with your, especially when you're running your marathons, like it must be quite mentally hard to kind of get yourself in that mindset. How do you kind of cope with that? Is there like a way that you're kind of used to it by now? I think anybody that's running a marathon, you have times when you don't really want to get up and do it for whatever reason. Maybe you're hungover, maybe you haven't trained, maybe you're intimidated by people you're running with maybe you're just tired maybe you're hungry maybe you're unwell all of these things you know that's without the travel element but getting myself up to run a marathon every couple of days in a new country um was initially it's like a bell curve I suppose initially quite difficult because you're you're fatigued you're tired you're having to be situationally aware you're having to think about the language and not getting lost and making sure you get back safely and tidied and bag packed to get on the airport to get back get back to the airport to get on the plane again um so there's all of that that's that's thrown into the mix but after a while i'm talking maybe a couple of months it becomes the norm and the running bit is the most peaceful calm enjoyable easy part of the day uh and it's the thing that you look forward to the only times really when i didn't want to run were when it was either outrageously hot or outrageously cold or i was ill uh yeah. and the rest were the, even the un, unsafe places i still kind of wanted to experience the country like that because you see so much more when you're on foot over over 26.2 miles yeah definitely yeah um one thing i do want to 
really mention on the podcast is the charity that you set up. The 196 Foundation is the charity that we set up. Obviously, 196 being the number of countries there are in the world. Um, I was visiting Sierra Leone, like I said earlier, and I I was starting to have a bit of a, a, a conscience, a crisis of conscience, because I was spending money traveling, being a privileged white guy around the world and wanted to do something to make a bit of a difference and visiting Sierra Leone and specifically a children's hospital there in, in the capital Freetown. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> you can tell I'm still getting over COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, that happens sometimes. Um, I was there in the, in the children's hospital and I got chatting to a, a mother who had two children in hospital and she couldn't afford to work out what was wrong with them and uh, and even to, even if she did, she wouldn't then be able to afford the medicine and the even just food and education and books and clothing and you know it was one of those poor places in the world and, and needy places. Um, and very sadly, we got chatting to that lady and she had uh, seven children that had already died in very similar circumstances, and she was just absolutely distraught. Um, and so I I thought, well, what can be done? that doesn't just you know hand money over to this person and it's not something you know being a I suppose a, a, a charitable tourist if you like isn't the way forward with good charity and so I set up the 196 foundation to help multiple causes for multiple different projects all over the world but with one very clear distinction it was going to be a democratic process based on what the donors want and so we ask for £1.96 per month and every month that donor will put £1.96 into the pot and at the end of the year we add up all of the money from all of the donors and we then give the donors a vote on what project we support each year and it could be helping a neighbour that lives down the road in, um, in London or it could be building a school in Kenya, or like some of the projects that we're about to pitch for this year's vote, which opens in a few days' time, actually. Um, very, very basic stuff that makes a huge difference, like sanitary products or like mental health awareness. Um, and so it's up to the donors to vote on who we help. And very importantly, it's all completely non-profit and all of the money that goes into the pot um, goes to the good causes. There is no... Uh, no staff or no paid anybody um, involved in the project if there's if there's costs in just you know, the running of the charity then they get covered by either me or uh, or the rest of the team behind the charity yeah I mean it's such a special project in itself and I think actually there's I mean so many great opportunities for I think people to be able to support a charity where projects that they get to kind of have a bit of a say over I think I really like that voting aspect because I think a lot of the time people do think, oh gosh, if I'm supporting a charity, I want it to go to this. So actually by giving them a bit of a say, it's definitely, yeah, you're onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's also, I think it's the nicest thing to do because we also want to be transparent with how we go about doing that and making sure that you know of those one pound 96s that are put in the pot you know where are they going how much impact are they having 
yeah. and how long will that last for so you know if you build a school then the impact there is for a long time as long as you have enough funds to make sure that there are teachers and safety and books and uniforms and rules and that it's backed by other entities other third parties other westerners uh and so it's uh, it's a bigger it's a bigger piece but on the face of it putting a couple of pounds in the pot a month um you then make a big difference overall don't forget to subscribe to the travel minded podcast you can also find us on instagram at travel minded the podcast this podcast is brought to you in partnership with justice abroad Justice Abroad was founded in 2019 and is led by myself, Michael Polak, a trained barrister and expert in international law and assistance. Justice Abroad operates to ensure that people who travel overseas for work or pleasure can be confident that if anything goes wrong, there'll be someone ready to help them. We are seeing an increasing number of cases across the world where people find themselves in trouble and we've been asked to assist. Justice Abroad has a team of top investigators, lawyers around the world and support staff available to provide unparalleled support. Many people when travelling have an attitude of, it'll never happen to me, and then when something does go wrong, they feel helpless, with nowhere to turn. Anyone travelling for any purpose should be aware of the issues that could arise, and be prepared to get in touch with us, should something go wrong. We currently have cases in Greece, China, Thailand, Somalia, Myanmar, Cyprus, Spain, Vietnam, and many other countries around the globe. The increased number of cases which are coming to us proves how frequently travellers can find themselves in trouble often as a victim of crime or accused of offences they did not commit. Usually, travel insurance will not cover you for assistance and advice with legal problems overseas. And even where they do, the assistance can prove ineffectual and not practical. At Justice Abroad, we have an extremely hands-on approach that allows our clients to feel assured that we will deal with every aspect of their situation and ensure they have the best possible outcome. We're Justice Abroad, and we're here when you need us. (music) 